You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On this episode of Daily Notes, we journey back to 1982 and talk about three films celebrating anniversary, and one of them is A Journey with Spielberg. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of the dark side. You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I went. Shall we begin? Everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam, and these are my daily notes where I have fun conversation about films, specifically ones that are celebrating anniversary. I'm really excited about this episode because we have two first-time watches today. I had to do it because we're getting down to the end of the year, and with my kind of new format that I'm really enjoying, to be honest with you, I, I wanted to talk about a couple films from 1982, and I don't know if I have another, another chance the later the year, yeah, especially when a baby on the way. I, I guess that's the first time I really have said that on Daily Notes. Yeah, I have a baby on the way. Uh, a little over a month away, five weeks to be exact from the recording of this episode. Really excited to have our baby join the world, me and our family. Uh, but anyway, back to the movie talk. Uh, we're in 1982. We're talking about films celebrating their 35th. No, that's wrong. Not 35th. 40th movie anniversary. 40th, uh, quick math edit, uh, there we go, uh, 40th anniversary, uh, really kind of excited for this episode, like I said, we have a couple first time watches and a journey with Spielberg, big episode here, uh, we have an Oscar winner, Oscar winning performance and Sophie's Choice, we're going to discuss that, we got a, a big sequel in Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, that's what it's really known as, The Road Warrior, really excited for it. I don't know why I've never seen that movie, I've seen the first Mad Max and I've seen Fury Road, I don't know why the Road Warrior was never on my list. I haven't I haven't seen Beyond Thunderdome, I guess either. So there's some homework there in that series. But and then also we're returning with Spielberg celebrating another '82 film, and that is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Uh, pretty excited. It's a top 100 movie, by the way, for me. So definitely got to talk about E.T. there and continuing the Spielberg conversation. Taking a time out from Indiana Jones uh, because this is just, it just makes sense to put E.T. with '82. The year of 82 here, the 40th anniversaries. But before I get too far into the episode, definitely check the show notes down below because I want to uh, also start letting you guys know where you can find these movies that are uh, the, if they're streaming somewhere because I feel like these movies are worth watching that we're talking about these ep- on these episodes. So definitely watch them if you haven't or revisit them. Um, that's why I love revisiting movies too. So definitely check the show notes. I'll have all three films down there on this episode and going forward where you can find movies too. So anyway, let's start off with the first time watch of the episode starring Meryl Streep, Kevin Klein, and Peter McNichol. Sophie's Choice. There are secrets beyond imagination. There are memories time cannot erase. It was a season of delight in a place called Brooklyn. The season of Sophie, of Sophie and Nathan, and a young man called Stingo. I love that piece. <laughs> Look at this God's gift. Give me a kiss. One kiss. <laughs> Mommy, you know that song, right? 
summer long they were together, drawing ever closer to the mystery of Sophie. Ever closer to her unthinkable secret. Sophie. Oh, please don't go. Don't go away from me, please. When I told you that the only thing I absolutely demand of you, the only single thing, is fidelity? Sophie, why'd you lie to me? Oh, the truth. Oh, the truth. I don't even know what is the truth. After all these lies I have told. Tell me why. There are so many things you don't understand. So many things that I can't tell you. Explanation, please! Yes, it's the Explain! Beautiful. How'd you get to be so beautiful? Sophie. How can anyone imagine that he knows her? Beyond the innocent, the romantic, the sensual, and the unthinkable, there are secrets we have yet to imagine. One of them is Sophie's choice. Sophie's Choice is directed by Alan J. Pakula. It's also written by him as well. And like I said, it stars Meryl Streep, Kevin Kline, and Peter McNichol. And I don't know why I've never seen this movie going into it. I know that the subject matter, being a Holocaust movie, those are something that you don't just put on for casual viewing. They uh, take a mindset at times. And that's one reason why I hadn't watched this this movie. And another re reason why maybe I haven't seen schindler's list as frequently because i just watched that for the first time and I, when I, I bring these two movies up because i feel like they're kind of the quintessential holocaust movie and i know that there was a kind of a mount rushmore on the podcast with terry zach and todd that i believe both those movies had to be mentioned if not what were they doing uh, but anyway uh sophie's choice uh is a really powerful movie it, it it's brought down to the, kind of the last hour of it is being so powerful. And I, what I knew about going into this film, it was that there is a choice that has to be made by Meryl Streep's character. And it's not an easy choice, especially if you have kids. It's very, kind of gets pretty emotional. I guess if you're just a human being, it should be an emotional choice for you to make. Uh, but you you always have that option of being having the Sophie's Choice like oh I got a Sophie's Choice question for you you can pick this movie or that movie it's kind of like how they always bring up these two different this this the this thing because of this movie here for this one iconic sequence but there's more to it uh, so let's uh, kind of dive into it a little bit and if you haven't seen Sophie's Choice in a while uh, that the IMDb description says. Sophie is the survivor of the Nazi concentration camps who has found a reason to live with Nathan, a sparkling, if unsteady, American Jew obsessed with the Holocaust. Uh, so that's a very uh, kind of basic, you know, description of the film. I feel like there's something else here as well. We're introduced to Peter, Sting, uh, Peter McNichol's character of Stingo, a, guy, a young man who moves into this house, bright pink house rather, and meets these two eccentric characters in a way, two characters that have their issues, they're flawed, uh, but also have some kind of, you can feel sympathetic to them, uh, to, for them, with Sophie and Nathan. Uh, 
played brilliantly by Meryl Streep and Kevin Klein. Rather, I think this is one of Kevin Klein's best performances that I've ever seen him in. Uh, so these two characters, even though Nathan comes across at times very unlikable, uh, and you feel really bad for Sophie in here, I think that Nathan's a damaged character based off his, um, you know, being a Jew. Too, I think there is some uh, some damage that he definitely carries, and you can feel that in the performance of Kevin Klein. Uh, but also Peter McNichol, uh, Stingo. Uh, what a great performance here by Peter McNichol. Uh, I definitely miss this guy. And come to find out, digging in his IMDb, this is only his second film that he's ever been in. So huge props there for him. When I ever think of Peter McNichol, I've always think of a couple of movies. I think of Ghostbusters 2. I think of Bean from 97, actually. So that's celebrating an anniversary. Uh, also, there, there was a couple other ones. Baby Geniuses, randomly, is one that I I've, I've saw when I was a kid. Pulling up his IMDb page real quick, but he, he's pr- primarily known as a voice actor. Now he does a lot of uh, TV, and uh, he did some animated Batman stuff, which is cool. He did he played in some of the Batman video games. He's also Alec McBeal, but I, I, that was kind of before I really got into TV, so I never watched Alec McBeal. What was the other movie? Oh, Adam's Family Values as Gary Granger. Zach and I reviewed that a couple years ago on the podcast here. And I'm trying to see if there was anything else. I don't really see anything. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much Adam's Family Adam's Family Values, Bean, and Ghostbusters 2 is what I primarily knew him from. When Peter McNichol popped up, there's something about this guy that, especially in his performance, that I was just blown away by. And... I really liked seeing the film through his eyes and getting the perspective of Nathan and Sophie because I didn't realize this character was really going to be in the movie. And honestly, I thought it was going to be like her son, uh, When, if I'm being honest. I'm glad it wasn't that because I feel like there's a lot more emotion there that you definitely feel for Singo. And it gets to that emotional impact, especially as the story progresses. Uh, For me, though, watching it for the first time, I feel like there is a kind of a disconnect between the stories. There's a lot of buildup. This movie's two and a half hours long, and I feel like the first hour and a half is a lot of kind of getting to know these characters in these situations, and sometimes I don't really feel as connected as I want to. I kind of want to see what's going on next. I feel like it's dragging a little bit, but at the very end of the movie, I kind of realized that I kind of needed that in a way. Because you're really not expecting the punch of emotions that you get. Especially when they're going into the flashback sequence with uh, Stingo and uh, Sophie talking about what happened and the choices they had to make with her father and her kids and going through the um, the concentration camps. And when it gets to that final sequence where he basically the, uh, uh, the officer gives Sophie the option that you either get to pick pick one of your cho- you get a choice. Uh, not many people get these choices, but you do. You either get have, pick one of your kids to survive, and the other one, unfortunately, gets to be um, um, murdered. And um, and seeing that is just a heartbreaking thing, especially hearing the screams of the young actress playing her daughter. Uh, and uh, it's it's a it is an emotional thing, especially when you have kids. Uh, at the time of recording, I have an eight-year-old, and obviously we have a baby on the way too. And I, I could never imagine making a choice like that. Uh, definitely, Meryl Streep has—you get the moniker of being one of the 
greatest actresses ever. Act I should I say actresses, but actors ever and have the most Oscar nominations. But there's a reason why she's a talent and she absolutely um, acts around these actors here and it gives a great performance that is definitely Oscar caliber worthy of the win here too. Kevin Klein and Peter McNichol just awesome. Uh, there's a chemistry between all three of them that gives they just have the uh, pop off the screen and it's just like you kind of want to see more of their life now especially after watching it. Uh, for me being my first time watch I'm at three and a half stars for this. This is a dang great movie. Uh, especially the last hour, I just I, I want to give it the four stars, but currently I'm just seeing it the one time. That first kind of hour and a half, like I said, I feel like there's a disconnect between the two films. I get there, there's some kind of build up, and you're getting to know the characters and why they're the way they are. But I think I, I wasn't expecting how impactful the ending was, so I definitely feel like I definitely need to see this one again, uh, relatively soon. Uh, Meryl Streep is. Uh, and acting to total tour de force here in this one deserving of the oscar win speaking of our oscars we're going to click on the awards uh circuit here as well we're going to take a look at the old awards here the academy awards it had a f one two three four five nominations it had one win it was nom a winner for best actress in a leading role meryl streep also nominated for best writing screenplay based on material from an author or medium uh, so definitely awesome there. Great, uh, some um, great um, nomination there. Best cinematography, best costume design, and best music original score. Uh, I definitely like the cinematography. The great nominations here. Um, surprisingly, it didn't get best picture. I think that has to do with the five nominations. And I'm, I'm not going to claim to be an Oscar not expert, and I'm not really here to talk about the Oscars. But I feel like probably could, especially now. I think if it wasn't a tin format. Race. I think Sophie's Choice had to be maybe a sixth piece, but having, having the director there either, that could be something where man, I'd be the sixth movie anyway. But Sophie's Choice, a great, uh, great um, showing at the Oscars, with, especially with the one win. At least it was self self was nominated for it. Uh, but I also like to talk about the budget here. We're gonna go scroll down here on IMDb, um, and the budget for this movie was twelve million dollars estimated and opening weekend didn't make too much in, on december 12th uh it made only two hundred two thousand dollars. wow limited release i take it and then gross worldwide was uh 30 million dollars so it, it made a little bit more of its budget back which is great but it's not one of those movies that is it's made to make a whole lot of money at the box office but at the same time it's it's it got its run and it, it got out there and it, it's definitely worth to be seen uh and like I said, in the show notes, I have the where it's streaming. But this movie is streaming on a whole bunch of different platforms. Paramount+, Plus, Showtime, Tubi, Canopy, DirecTV, Crackle, Plex, uh, Fubo. Uh, I rented this on Amazon Prime for $3.99. So probably should have just done it on Paramount. But anyway, uh, it's a dang good movie that I, I really liked. It made my top 10. I'm not going to reveal my top 10 of... 1982 quite yet it's me at the very end of the episode uh, but yeah sophie's choice a fantastic piece of cinema all right our second first time watch of the episode is going to be mad max 2 or the road warrior this is what it has come to Look, they're coming back 
here is where it shall be decided. Here it is. Greetings from the Humongous. In a world without gas. The Humongous rules the wasteland. I'm gravely disappointed that you wish to take the gasoline out of the wasteland. Defend the fuel. We'll never walk away! Give me the pump, the gasoline, the whole compound. This is a land that prays for a hero. Well, if anyone's gonna get in there, it's gonna be you. This is Mad Max 2. Seen driving like that man. The warrior of the road. You're okay by me, pal. Got to hand it to you, Treasure. The last of the V8 interceptors. Every day we get weaker while they get stronger. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. Now, to do the job, I need some high octane gasoline. Got yourself a deal. You can run, but you can't hide! You're gonna crash? crash through. I was wrong about you. I'm sorry. Now, when you think of Mad Max, I think a lot of more recent uh, film goers would probably think Mad Max Fury Road, that movie swept the Oscars at, on the technical side. Low-key could have been best picture caliber. I don't understand why Terry doesn't like it. Uh, but a really great movie with Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron. Top 10 movie of the year for me on that year. Great action film. But um, older fans of the franchise would probably think the better version, uh, or one of the better versions in the franchise, is The Road Warrior. And again, I don't know why I've never seen this. I think one of my very first Mad Max films was Fury Road, to be honest. But I have seen the first Mad Max, the original Mad Max, starring Mel Gibson. And while I don't really care for it too much, I, I think it's definitely deserving of a rewatch because Mel Gibson's rather good in it. And there's some really crazy practical effects that George Miller does do. Uh, so what is Road Warrior? The Road Warrior. Uh, Mad Max 2, if you will. It is a George Miller film starring Mel Gibson, Bruce Spence, and Michael Preston. In the synopsis here on IMDb, in the post-apocalyptic Australian wasteland, a cynical drifter agrees to help a small gasoline-rich community escape a, a horde of bandits. Now, I think in Australia this came out in 1981, uh, but in the States it's a 1982 film here. It is rated R uh, as well. Uh, but what can I say about this movie that probably hasn't been said, but for my first time watch, my initial thoughts here is that those special effects, pretty, they hold up. It may not have the big extravagant explosions that Fury Road may have, but there is something to be had for an 82 movie to pack such a, an adrenaline-filled ride. Mel Gibson's rather good, even though he has more speaking lines than Tom Hardy did in Fury Road. It's kind of hard to not compare the two films because they're probably the two better films in the franchise that do get compared quite easily. 
uh, Mad Max Fury, uh, Mad Max Two rather. Uh, I, what, I, what I really liked about Mad Max 2 was not just those practical effects, but I thought the pacing was really cool. It got me really into the story, considering I hadn't watched that first film in quite a long time. So I didn't feel like I had to do some catch-up on the character. There's a great little intro at the beginning of the movie, kind of telling you what happened. kind of recaps uh, the first Mad Max film. And I think the characters here, too, they're... Ex- ex- <laughs> They're silly, they're crazy, uh, these bandits rather, and and seeing this guy with the, like a hockey mask, he looks like a, a WCW wrestler, to be honest, like just a cheesy wrestler, his name is uh, the, the Humongous, a really ridiculous name, but it's kind of really, it's really funny. Uh, but I, I think he it's for what this these this bandits were it's it, it fits perfectly in this wasteland world that Mad Max lives in, and it's pretty uh, pretty fascinating to see the places they they do go with the different Mohawks and different uh, the vehicles they drive to the outfits they have really cool stuff that is all in practical effects that makes it even better again cgi nowhere to be seen really in this film and the practical effects stand tall in this film there's also another kid called emil minty which is the actor he plays the feral kid a really kind of interesting kid here that uh is kind of underrated and kind of a really cool part of the film as well he has this really cool boomerang that he sh- uh he can fly and it cuts people's hands off, and uh, he can catch it. A really cool and underrated character in this movie. He doesn't obviously he doesn't have any uh, speaking parts here, but he is low key pretty awesome in this film. Uh, there's another guy, uh, Bruce Spence, who plays the gyro captain. Uh, has this really cool helicopter comes in and kind of saves it. He's really the eccentric character that uh, becomes partners with Max in the film, and I think they're lack of communication is kind of brilliant but all, and rather funny while it plays out on the screen here uh, but what the main character here Mad, uh, Mad Max himself Mel Gibson uh, say what you will about the actor or the person um, himself but the, he's a, you have to admit he is a heck of an actor 87 Lethal Weapon came out which we'll be talking about that film later and I'm really excited to do so uh, but uh, his first big his big character that he played before he played Riggs was and you know, Mad Max, and the second outing is dang good. And I, I, I heard the mixed things about Beyond Thunderdome. I have really no expectations on that film, um, and just know that it's that it's considered the one of the better ones in the franchise. But I'm looking forward to watching it because I really enjoyed the Road Warrior here. Uh, the only thing I really, I guess, there's not really anything that I didn't care for. I thought it was just a nice, fun, quickly paced action film that didn't have to be you don't have to go looking for something deeper within this film it's pretty straightforward and you're watching it because it's a mad max movie you're watching it for crazy car flips you're watching it for uh, crazy action sequences with practical effects you're watching it because it's a george miller movie you're watching it because it's a mel gibson movie and those things alone are worth the price of admission here and you're not looking for uh, some great uh, revelation about uh, your your personality or seeing something uh, emotionally draining on screen. You're, you know, you're, you're, these movies are made to be fun, and that's exactly what I had in this movie. It's a three-star film. 
Um, maybe after rewatches and I get more watching this film, I could go maybe three and a half. Uh, but it is definitely my f- second favorite film in the franchise so far. Granted, I haven't seen Beyond Thunderdome. Fury Road just it's top notch level there because every it, just the way it came out the the uh, crazy ride of Mad Max Fury Road. But The Road Warrior, damn great movie. Uh, probably my top ten of an 82 if i'm being honest but it's a three-star film for me really awesome film so definitely check it out if you haven't recently et the extraterrestrial is directed by steven spielberg in this quiet neighborhood on this tranquil street a mystery is unfolding And an adventure is beginning again. I'm keeping you. In March 2002, Steven Spielberg's masterpiece returns to theaters everywhere. What's he doing? E.T. Phone home. E.T. Phone home. Like you've never experienced it before. With enhanced visual effects. Never before seen footage and a digitally remastered soundtrack. <laughs> Next spring, take the journey. What are you waiting for? Let's go! And experience the excitement as E.T. returns home to the big screen for a new generation to discover what the rest of us. We'll never forget. E.T., The Extraterrestrial, was one of the movies that I had seen growing up, but it was one of the, the films that I was immediately drawn to by the, in the Spielberg filmography. I kind of appreciated this movie over time, especially as I've become an adult and I've seen it more frequently. I have appreciated this movie more and more, and that's why it's a top 100 film for me. Uh, Spielberg has a way of directing these fantasy epics. This is not—I wouldn't say this is an epic film. I would consider those epic movies to be like Jurassic Park, the franchise. There, Indiana Jones would be right up there with those kind of adventure type movies. But there's a way that he captures that imagination and E.T. right there with me. And I actually picked up some things in this film that I really I just thought were really great. If you haven't seen E.T. in quite a bit, it, the film, uh, description on IMDb is, A troubled child, child summons the courage to help a friendly alien escape from Earth and return to his home planet. One thing I have to mention when I uh, think about E.T. is that I didn't, I never understood as as a child uh, the magic that this movie does have. Watching it now, I love seeing uh, Henry Thomas's character of Elliot have this relationship with E.T. and uh, seeing where they're actually feeling the things. I never actually got that. There was some kind of. Uh, out-of-body experiences between the two characters where E.T. was in one scene eating food and drinking a beer and Elliot was feeling it at school. Kind of weird. I never actually caught that. I don't remember ever catching that ever before. Uh, And then as they get through the movie near the end of it, you know, you have where there's that death scare in in the movie too. 
especially if I haven't seen this, sorry if I'm spoiling anything, it's been a long time. But you have the, there's a connection between these two uh, characters and really love their bond here, especially after watching it so, uh, again, recently. Uh, we see a young Drew Barrymore here as Gertie. Uh, she's adorable in this movie and it is cute. However, she's the big LVP of the movie because every time they say, be quiet, keep this a secret, she immediately does the childhood thing and tells somebody uh, what's going on and i was like oh you're just oh they're gonna be on to them it's it's great oh, but being a kid and i'm not gonna fault drew barrymore on that as she does a really good uh, job in this movie here as well uh robert uh, mcnaughton as michael i really liked uh, him in here as the big older brother who at first doesn't believe his younger brother and wants to play Dungeons and dragons more than and make fun of his brother in front of all his friends but after a long, long time, he even stands up to his friends and gets on Elliot's side there to help E.T. because he knows it's the right thing. really like the character a lot. There's a lot of growth in that little, those little moments with uh, Michael's character. And even seeing Mary D. Walls as the, as the mother figure here. A uh, really good uh, performance here. I love seeing what she's a single mother. You don't know. like They say the dad isn't there and in Mexico several times. And that it affects the kid's relationship. And even though the mom is uh, upset by that. I mentioning she is a strong mother. And that shows that the moms are probably the strongest people that and do the right thing. Especially in this movie, I really liked that. I never would caught, caught that as a kid, but watching that, there's, I mean, it just proves that there's so many layers to these movies that you can enjoy as you get older. I think, especially growing up on a movie like this, you can appreciate it more and more. And that's why I feel like as as I've gotten older, I've appreciated E.T. a whole lot more than uh, I've ever done as a kid. Uh, one of the more interesting characters here is Peter Coyote's character of Keys. It just goes by keys here. You could tell, I, th I believe one time a while ago, especially if you've been following anything almost sideways related, uh, I did used to do the, the Red and Brown podcast with Ben. Ben, we mentioned this guy a couple of times when we talked about E.T. Uh, on occasion, that Spielberg has a way of kind of telling you something without even saying anything, just by showing you, which is very awesome. That a film, fil uh, filmmaker feels like monologues, monologuing is in or shoving a bunch of information down you, and you're shoving it into your face with a lot of verbiage, but showing you something is more effective than anything. And having a guy just walk around and focusing on the keys that are on his belt loop, and like, oh, he's the leader, this guy's in charge, he's got a big thing, a set of keys there, it's kind of really fascinating uh, filmmaking, and I'm all for it. I, it's old school filmmaking at its finest. Uh, showing, not telling. I love it. I want, I want more of it in my movies, especially nowadays. I think it's just get exposition heavy, and it's just not a treat. It's just a bore at times. Uh, but ET does something really good here. Um, it's a PG movie. It's definitely made for kids. Uh, my daughter uh, didn't choose to watch it with me this time, but she has watched this on on repeat a couple times since we had watched it. Uh, but there's something about it. Like, like I said, like. There's a charm to it, especially E.T. and having the practical effect. Not if this was made today, he's definitely CG CGI'd, and it would be not as effective, and it wouldn't be so good. And I feel like having the practical effects here and the, the subtle special effects, they still hold up. Even the bicycling sequence when they're flying through across the moon and in the neighborhood, yeah, you can kind of tell that it's it's CGI'd, obviously, but 
it's still really done well. And it's really good CGI, specifically uh, being such an older film, 40 years old, it still holds up rather nicely. Really great job. And we have to mention the John Williams score here. It, that bicycle chase sequence is, is just perfect. Uh, it's not one of my favorite John Williams scores, but that little overture when they're finally going on the bikes, bicycles, and those little those little the little chords that they hit uh, kind of makes me just feel like a kid and makes me want to ride a bike. To be honest with you, uh, some of the most uh, icon one of the more iconic scores that he has done for that, those little segments. I feel like other scores like Indiana Jones and Star Wars are definitely going to be the more iconic. Jurassic Park. Could be the ones people would say, but E.T. is kind of really underrated in his filmography in that, in that sense. Uh, being a Spielberg movie, of course, it had probably got a lot of money at the box office, so check out, let's take a look at that. The budget of this movie, talked about Sophie's Choice earlier, that had a $12 million budget. E.T. guys had $10.5 million. Hardly anything considering what this movie is, and it went on to have a gross worldwide of seven hundred and ninety-two million dollars, or no, sorry, seven hundred ninety-two, yeah, seven hundred ninety-two million dollars. I can read that out correctly. Wow, what a box office worldwide! It it definitely had a connection with fans. I think that had to be some kind of with inflation here, uh, because I know it's been re-released a couple times now, uh, but it is proving that it's one of the most iconic films that it ever. Uh, especially one of the box office, especially I, I remember back in 99 when I saw like the top 10 movies at the box office, that list has completely changed. I think it was in a little magazine that they were promoting The Phantom Menace at the time. I think E.T. was like top 10 for box office. Crazy to think that it's not even close to the top 20 anymore, but really cool um, seeing how much money a movie it made. Let's go back to those Oscar nominations here as well. And we are going to see we they won a four movies here, so the first one is that it got it won. These are the winners now for best sound. It won best sound, best visual effects, uh, best effects or best sound effects rather, best music. So John Williams won for score. It won for sound effects and best sound and visual effects. The four categories I definitely think that it is deserving to win. It was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Writing Screenplay Written Directly for the Screen, so Best Original Screenplay, Best Cinematography, and Best Film Editing. So I uh, feel like those are all really good, worthy choices, uh, nominations rather. And really cool to see that they got so many for being such an iconic film. At the BAFTAs, however, it only won for Best Score. Didn't win for anything else here, and it got a lot of nominations there as well. Got even Drew Barrymore got a, a nomination for best newcomer, uh, for uh, and Harry Henry Thomas got it for best newcomer as well. Uh, so I bet they got a screenplay nomination at the BAFTAs that year, best production design at the BAFTAs. Um, yeah, so it, best makeup at the BAFTAs as well. So it got a lot of nominations at the BAFTAs. Only one for the score. So it's a great score, uh, but really cool to see how much love it got there too. But uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, one of the more kind of underrated Spielberg movies, uh, definitely a top five one for me. Uh, I would I can't remember exactly where it fell on my top one hundred list. So 
if you go back to almostsideways.com, we're going to go take a look at that really quickly. Right now, we have all the top 100s there. Let's see here. Oh, there it is. E.T. is sitting at number 58 all time for me, right between uh, right between The Elephant Man for, it is 57 and The Back to the Future is number 59. After this rewatch, uh, I, I want to put in my top 50. I think it's, it's a good spot right there at uh, 58. I, really tough. Ranking top 100, the 100 movies of all time, really hard because there's so many great movies out there. But E.T., The Extraterrestrial, for me, it's a movie that I've appreciated so much over time. And I can't, I'm a Spielberg junkie, obviously. I'm doing a whole series on him. So, uh, great film. And I just really. I really appreciate this movie more. That's all I think I could say about it is that it has definitely aged well. And I pick something up new about it every time. So, Real quick, before we wrap up this episode and get Cindy off on your merry way, I wanted to take a second because I haven't talked about 82 movies too often this year on the podcast. But I want to give you my quick top 10 films of um, 82 it's kind of more of an update because i just watched two really awesome films here uh number 10 i have poltergeist number nine tootsie uh, number eight mad max 2 or the road warrior seven i got star trek uh, star trek 2 the wrath of khan six sophie's choice five first blood or yeah first blood uh, four genocides documentary and uh, three et the extraterrestrial two blade runner and number one, The Thing. Uh, 82 is a really good year. I really like my top ten. Really some solid films here. Obviously, there's some probably some blind spots there. But I'm really I'm really excited about the top ten that I do have here. I want to watch more 82 movies because uh, I think there's some good ones. Because I've only seen a total now with Mad Max and Sophie's Choice here. I've only seen 17 movies from 82. Definitely an improvement from uh, another movie. So I uh, really look forward to it. But anyway, let's, let's close it out. A really awesome episode, I feel like. I, I really enjoy talking about all three of these movies. Sophie's Choice, Mad Max 2, and E.T. the Extraterrestrial. But next week's episode should be just as awesome, everybody. We're going to go back five years to 2017 and talk about three more films. First time watch next week's going to be Phantom Thread, followed by two revisits, Dunkirk and Wind River. Cannot wait for you guys to listen. Check, Come back next week. Check check out the review and make sure you join the film discussion on Twitter at almost sideways and hit us up. Let us know what you guys think. And make sure you guys check the, the main show out and listen to the side show. Uh, we're really excited. Make sure you like share review, uh, all that fun stuff. Anyway, go watch the movies guys. See you later.